We're spending 20 days in Mariupol with Golda, and after the burial of the Blackberry, we're going to need an exorcist. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Adam Ball, and this is Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Hello and welcome back to the podcast then. So we are going to be looking at loads of new movies today. Uh, Coming up, we're going to look at Blackberry. We're going to look at The Exorcist Believer. Mm. But we're going to start with two movies that are are connected in some way because they're both about war. So uh, Golda in a moment and we'll start with 20 Days in Mariupol, which is from what I gather, because obviously I don't do a huge amount of research for this. This is that's what you do by going to see it. I gather it's about the Russian uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine, basically. It is indeed. It is indeed. So uh, this is a documentary. This is a documentary that's been put together. A document that's been crafted from all the footage gathered by a trapped news crew during the twenty day siege of Mariupol at the onset of the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, and they were you know the internet was cut out they had no way of getting the footage out they needed to show the world what was really going on the 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 things that were being denied that they literally had video documentation of and uh and and it is you know this what's been crafted out of it it's uh, i'm trying i've got the name here uh it's uh mastislav chernov is the journalist who's you know was on the ground and has also you know put the, put the film uh, together. So this comes out, I think, as a collaboration with Frontline and the Associated Press. This is harrowing. This is absolute. This is soul destroying at times. This will take you through the ringer. And in that way, that there's just been there's there's been documentaries in the past few years about uh, contemporary war zones, things like Ghosts of Tehran and things like that, that just rock you to your very core. And yeah, this is this is firmly up there. There's there's some things you'll you'll see some things in this. Is it kind of? Blair Witch Project style. Obviously, I know this is no. real, but I mean, as in, is it camcorder job running around? You know, getting in on the action and feeling like you're actually. Oh, there. Yeah, you gotta remember though, this is a professional news crew who did not think that this was going to jump off quite to, to quite the extreme that it has. I mean, recording the real responses of these uh, of, of these consummate professionals who, at the same time, are just trying to survive, but at the same time, don't want to deny the chance to document. All of the, the, the truly out, out of this world horrific things that they witness along the way. It's it, it's surprising how robustly the, the filmmaking behind it all is. The the professionalism doesn't break, and they go for here is the best documentation we can make of this moment. But there is something still quite cinematic about it. Do you get to see? You know, explosions and missiles and all that. Oh yeah, 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 loads. Is that graphic? Yeah, it's it's really really graphic. I wish we had a clip for you, but um, there's there's only so much that's like in English, for instance. There's a yeah, yeah, and it's you know it 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 doesn't work quite as a clip, but it's. so the uh, uh, Chernov himself, the uh, the cameraman and director, he uh, he does speak English, so he he speaks English throughout. But there is obviously a lot of subtitled content to this as well. Um, but this is uh, this is not one you put on like a Friday night rom com uh, fill in. This is this is something that you sit down like intently for a thoughtful Sunday afternoon with. Um, but say it's called uh, Twenty Days in Mariupol, and you can see that in cinemas from today. Definitely worth a watch if you want to see it from uh, from the, the inside, I suppose, is the way mm. to put it there. 
Okay, um, so from one war, war film to another, um, talk to us about Golda. So what's this exactly? I mean, all I know is it's got Helen Mirren in, which is why I want to watch it. Yeah, this kind of just dropped out. Don't they? Wait, there's a new Helen Mirren movie? Why am I only now hearing that there's a new Helen Mirren movie? It seems a weird thing to just... who. Who just discovers a Helen Mirren movie, right? Weird thing. Yeah. Um, so no. Yeah. Well, I mean, evidently, all of us is the answer to that question. But uh, yeah. So this is a biopic uh, for of sorts for Golden Mirror. It's more less a biopic and more a slice of time uh, kind of historical chronicle of you know, like we did recently with Churchill, for instance, where we carry Churchill through a very specific period, like a couple of weeks during the war, like that kind of a thing. But this follows Heron Mirren, uh, Heron Mirren, Helen Mirren, God, Scooby Doo, I'm a good one, Maggie, for you for a second. Oh, sorry. Um, this follows Helen Mirren as Goldemir, the fourth, I think she was the fourth Prime Minister of Israel. And basically just her managing the conflict over uh, the period of the Yom Kippur War. So I've got a clip for you. And this is, say, you'll, you'll hear Helen Mirren's Goldemir in this clip. She's right at the end there with her accent, which I wasn't quite prepared for. Uh, this is, this is uh, Goldemir and the generals being debriefed on, imminent, uh, on an imminent attack. At 10 a.m., we began mobilizing 120,000 troops, including two armored brigades. A few minutes ago, the Syrians began removing the camouflage netting from their guns. In the canal, the Egyptians are cutting channels through their sand barrier in preparation for crossing. When will the attack start? Towards sundown. This is our best information. It seems likely that we've been surprised. So how the hell did this happen, Zera, huh? We gave you a hundred million dollars for your damn eavesdropping system, and you promised us 72 hours notice in case of an attack. This is not a court of inquiry. And watch your language, please. Do you know, just listening to that, that could have been from a James Bond movie. You think? You, you, there is something There is something quite stately about it, obviously. Um, I, I, from, do you know, it veers the, it veers the gamut from phoned in Churchill biopic type filmmaking to almost like a slack jawed attempt at a Christopher Nolan movie, but it never gets above that tempo from that clip just then. It never somehow elevates beyond that. And given that it's Helen Mirren, you desperately want to like it because who wants to dislike something that's got Helen Mirren stood before them on screen, you know? Mm. And... It just didn't get there for me. I, I somehow just wasn't as involved. I will say my, my favourite moments of it did did involve uh, Liev Schreiber showing up as uh, as Henry Kissinger. Somehow he manages to just own the screen in his in his very brief time there. But it just doesn't work for me. I, I feel like for one thing, I, I feel like it requires too much of an in depth knowledge of the events that are being depicted. I don't think it feeds you enough information or enough backstory really to every single element of what's at play it takes everything a bit too uh, a bit too coldly and that i don't know i just couldn't i couldn't take with it and i say that despite like obviously as i say i want to like helen mirren does that ruin its its storytelling because of that or does it still manage to to get the story across I got this. I got the story. He got the story across. I just didn't care by the end of it because it's, it's such a baseline. <laughs> it is such a baseline. Like I say, that tempo 
Like, you heard it for about 40 seconds, right? Just imagine that over the course of a couple of hours, you know? It's it's hard to, to sustain that kind of that, that kind of rhythm. And this is this is 100 minutes long. So an hour and 40 minutes of what you just heard for 40 seconds, pretty much that. But like I say, there's, just, there's those moments when Liev Schreiber shows up. Those those are pretty cool. I like those. I was going to say, it just, it just needs Owen Wilson in the corner going, wow. <laughs> you think? You've become obsessed with this ever since I told you what it worked out at per wow, on as far as he yeah. paid works. Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. Well, I mean, if you want to make your own mind up and uh, and watch it for yourself, you can. Golda is in cinemas from today. Okay. Um, did you ever have a BlackBerry mobile phone? Well, that's what our next movie is all about. And it's called BlackBerry. And we'll see what Van thought of it. So stay right where you are. Hello and welcome back to the show then. Let's continue with movies that Van has seen already. Um, so let's go straight to blackberry movie which is of course the story of the phone right yeah yes it is it is i mean this is the weird thing i it's it's so, so weird to me when you describe a blackberry as being a phone because it, it was just a blackberry in the same way that an iphone is not your phone it's your iphone you know what i mean it's, it's it's a weird sort of thing you have with this with this device because you said you'd never had one no, I never ever got round to. I think it was a mixture of fat fingers, didn't want the tiny keyboard, and it was a oh. crossover time as well when Blackberries were out, but then obviously there were more phones that were coming out at the same time, like the flip phones, and so I, I just went a different direction basically. So I well, never had I got one. my little I got my little golem hands, so uh, so I was great <laughs> with a with a Blackberry. I loved my Blackberry. Oh my god, my Blackberry was awesome. I had my Blackberry through uni, you know, it's so my, my my last kind of phone pre uh, pre iPhone. Um, and then, you know, touchscreen for life. Obviously. Um, but yeah, I love my BlackBerry. So, I, and I was aware of some of the story as it was happening with with BlackBerry in the industry. Um, do you know the particulars of, 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 how, of how this of how this the story of the BlackBerry came to be? Absolutely no idea. So, they basically, you had a, a bit of a Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak kind of situation with two developers who had this idea for what would become the BlackBerry. And they sort of fell under the auspices of this magnanimous CEO played by uh, Glenn Howerton from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, best known for playing Dennis on Always Sunny in Philadelphia, who then becomes the business side of the business and harangues them and gets them to, to modify the product down to his whims. Ignore it, they were ignored. All the warnings that they said about how limited their system was, they were ignored along the way. Um, this led the company to face immense technical difficulties that then also happened to start to coincide with the arrival of a new player on the phone phone scene made by Apple, mm. who they chose to completely ignore as a, as a product and a, a potential competitor. And, well, when was the last time you saw a BlackBerry out in the wild? Anyway, here's a clip of Glenn Howerton calling into the office uh, the day the day of one of the many now infamous uh, BlackBerry outages. It's not us, Jim. It's the carrier. Verizon is doing something weird. Okay, well, I'm about to do something weird if you don't fix this. Now! Um, the deal right. was, I get the engineers, right. you shrink the data! Are you, are, you, are you selling more phones? What the hell do you think I've been doing over here, Mike? We're in the middle of a hostile... Takeover! Why did that somebody babysit you, dork? Okay, okay, so that's okay. Uh, yeah, the entire system is crashing. He's selling more phones. Hey, God damn it! 
Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. You know, maybe just uh, hold off selling more. I'm not. And that is what everybody should have done with a BlackBerry. <laughs> Evidently so. Evidently so. I know, right? It's it's an insane story uh, to, to you know to, to see unfold, and it's it should it shouldn't work. It's I know it's ridiculous on paper, like oh it's the story of the BlackBerry, but yeah, in this year as well, in which we've had you know movies about uh, Nike Air, you know, Air Jordans, uh, which we've had the Flaming Hot Cheeto movie, we've had the Tetris movie, you know we've had so many weird product movies this year, and yet this is far and away this is the second best one out of the lot of them, I think after. Wow. Uh, yeah, after air. Air takes, you know, number one. This is the second best one, though, and a large part of its success is down to the casting and uh, just the way that the director, Matt Johnson, has put this all together. It works as a sort of faux social network, but it's just rocket-fueled along by Glenn Howerton as, uh, as I think it's Jim Balsili, I think his name is, Balsili. Um, who, and you can hear the rage in that clip. And if you know his character in Always Sunny Philadelphia, you've witnessed so many of those great moments that he's, he's unloaded like that. And here it's just absolutely terrifying because it's not beholden to the sort of comedic side of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, he's he's really something. And in, in another time, maybe this actually got a bigger theatrical release, I could see that being an awards contender performance, at least you know at lower tier award stages maybe. Um, but Jay Baruchel as well, uh, and even Rich Sumner, um, as the two guys who you know, come up with the BlackBerry. Great performances, really great performances. I like Baruchel anyway. He's always, he's, I've always found it weird that he's not a bigger thing. But uh, yeah, what you get is another welcome pantheon to the the tech true story tragedy uh, subgenre. You know that includes things like Pirates of Silicon Valley, or to a lesser extent, the Ewan McGregor Nick Leeson movie Rogue Trader. I want to say, do you ever see Rogue Trader from 1999 with Anna Friel? Oh, yeah, long time ago. Yeah, 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 that was God. Nick Leeson and the Bearing Bank scandal. That seems like a different century. It was a different century now, wasn't it? Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. I, uh, two things to say. Firstly, uh, oh. put your, your bets down now. I give it two years before there's a Tesla uh, movie um, in regards to Elon Musk. Yeah, mm. I think that, and I think, and I'd watch it. Secondly, I'm guessing here that there's a part in this movie where BlackBerry look at the the, the new smartphone on the block from Apple and say. Touchscreen, yeah, not gonna work. Very famously, uh, BlackBerry as a company took the position that the iPhone would not catch on, that wow. they just that nobody cared, and it, it was an instantaneous effect as well of seeing the iPhone rocket up in sales and BlackBerry start to start to plummet. They, yeah, like just as what happened to Nokia. For instance, around around what about two thousand four, two thousand five, when they just suddenly started a plummet, and other companies like Samsung started to edge it in. You know, it was an instantaneous uptick, and uh, they uh, BlackBerry did try doing touchscreens, as the movie does point out to us. They did try bringing touchscreens to market, but they were too late in the game. They didn't understand the technology. This is a genuinely fascinating movie. I think you would really, really enjoy this, Adam. I, I think this works as a weird sort of like the Social Network style conspiracy thriller at times. I really enjoyed The Social Network, so absolutely, yeah. if you're comparing the two, I would love this movie. I just want to know what on earth Nokia made their batteries out of, because that's what we need to make them out of today. My Nokia would last four days. 
I know, right? I don't know what's... My iPhone lasts five minutes at the moment. It's almost like there's been a new one put on the market all of a sudden. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that works. You know, our phones seem to know these things. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't believe you never had a BlackBerry. Man, they were so fun. But... Uh, no. Never oh, they were, they were ahead of the there. curve. They were they were next level thing. It's a shame what happened to BlackBerry, like as a company. Um, but uh, you know, having seen the movie now, I uh, yeah. Go on, what are you gonna I ask? know, I know why I didn't get one now. Go because on. I watched the Matrix and I got the Nokia instead. Oh, the, you know, the, the banana phone. Yeah, the, the shoot down banana phone, which yes, I, I don't think wheel. ever actually existed. And the one they released to tie into the movie was green, like weirdly, and it had a slightly more mushroomy head. But, exactly that, uh, and it had a wheel yeah. in the middle. Yes, yeah. and it had a wheel in the middle. That one, I, I liked that phone as well. Yeah, that also lasted four days. Look, as you can tell, we're getting old now because we're getting not knocking nostalgic. That's, <laughs> yes. Oh, first sign of it. First sign yeah, of it. It's two men in their forties, isn't it? But if anyone wants to get BlackBerry nostalgic, then uh, then you they can. should. Um, they should just see it. It's a fascinating movie, honestly. Yeah, I, I want to watch this. It's definitely the kind of documentary I would like to see. So Blackberry is in cinemas from today if you want to go and see it. All right, two left. The burial in a bit. But next, we're going to look at The Exorcist and Believer. We'll see what Van thought of that one. Stay right where you are. Hello and welcome back. Uh, let's dive straight in then to our penultimate movie this time around. The Exorcist Believer. Now, of course, The Exorcist is a renowned movie. uh, Of some renown, uh, it is indeed, yes. (laughs) It is, definitely. (laughs) I'm just hoping that this isn't a sequel that just ruins it and it just falls flat on its face. Oh, mate, you might want to strap in for this one. Oh, God. Right, um, so yes, you are in fact right. Okay, so it is. Uh, when was The Exorcist now? So hang on. So The Exorcist was all the way back in 1973. Right, so it is in fact 50 years this year. Wow. Right. What you're getting for this is very much in the same vein as what happened to Halloween in 2018, where in that case it had been, I think it was 40 years since the previous ones. So they thought, what we'll do now is we'll do a definitive part two. So ignore all the rest, just have the original, this is now part two, but it's a generational sequel, so it takes place decades later. What you've got is very much the same thing here, where it is now 50 years since the events of The Exorcist. Uh, two young girls go missing, uh, turn up, to, you know, recovered together, and both possessed. And for the parents to try and find any way to save their daughters, they must turn to the only person they can find with experience in a similar uh, sort of an encounter before, who happens to be Ellen Burstyn's Chris McNeil, the mum from the original Exorcist. So I've got a clip for you, um, and this is uh, this is Chris McNeil meeting the possessed daughter for the first time. She knows who I am. Where's the other girl? Taking care of her at home. That's not a good idea. She's waiting here. You said the mum from the original. So she, so she must be like, what, 80 now? Yes, yeah, she's getting on in years. Ellen Burstyn is, in fact, 
getting on in years. Um, but uh, that's the thing. I mean, it's it's a lot of it hinges on this this weird dichotomy in in a sense between exactly how much of a brand are we meant to find the Exorcist, and also at what point is this just a single auteur masterpiece that. Too many god-awful attempts at sequels and spin-offs and prequels and TV adaptations have been, you know, attempted for. And and this is the movie that absolutely hammers that debate home because this is just generic AF. This is... At times, it feels like a sort of petrol station kind of version of something like Prisoners, like Denis Villeneuve's Prisoners, uh, complete with Leslie Odom Jr. Like they, they, they're not messing around on this. They just went, you know, we're going to do the Exorcist again. Get, go and get me one of the Hamilton kids. Get me one of the <laughs> Hamilton gang in here. <laughs> you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna squeeze some cash out of this. We're getting every bum on every bum on seats. That's what's happening here. Get me one of the Hamilton kids. So they're not messing around here. And then you say you've got this, this like petrol station bargain bin prisoners, like Denis Villeneuve's prisoners, that then just becomes petrol station bargain bin exorcist movie for the second half. And the middle of it all, you have uh, Ellen Burstyn, who doesn't really have to, she, she doesn't want to be there. It's quite obvious. She's kind of doing this for the money. And I think they literally funded a foundation, like an acting foundation or something for her. Like the story goes to actually be in this. Because. It, it it feels like such a weird, abstract, almost like direct to DVD a decade ago kind of kind of an affair. Like, and I'm, at the same way, I'm, I'm watching it thinking, what is there's all this sort of weird referencing back to The Exorcist that you just start thinking, wait, was that meant to have been an iconic thing, or are you just now desperately clutching to anything that you can find? The Terminator movies do this in some of the more recent sequels. They cling on to weird little things that nobody really thought were a thing about the just random moments. This feels like it's doing that, and you look at it in stark contrast to something like recent Evil Dead Rise, and it just doesn't hold up. It doesn't evolve in the same way. This just feels like we're slapping the badge on something that on, on this is a cheap product with a better fascia. And we're slapping a badge on it. Doesn't feel like a new product. Do you th- do you think maybe they tried to keep the essence of the original mm. by doing what you just said they've done with this, where it's that kind of ten year ago, fifteen year ago, generic. Like, is it? If, have you mistaken that maybe for them trying badly mm. to keep the essence of the original running through the new one? The thing was, the the original movie took its time. The, the, the first movie t- t- took its time setting up the sort of domestic relationship between Linda Blair and Alan Burstyn, between the, the mother and the daughter. So much so, like, almost agonisingly so at times. But because you spent the your time with and you sank the investment into the pair of them for as long as you did in, in the original Exorcist, when it came time to all the to get to all the possession stuff, you were invested, you, you know, you, you cared. And you cared in a way that you really don't hear. These are way more abstract, generic horror characters. Mm. And this becomes, well, I'm sorry, do you want us to think of The Exorcist as a product or is this the Auteur Friedkin movie? And you're, you're, you're kind of mistaking a masterpiece for a product. And that, 
you can't really have that one both ways. And yeah, it just doesn't work because the whole thing again is is presented atop a very like straight to streaming style chilling. You will see better horror movies than this put release director streaming in the next few weeks. I guarantee it. Did they do anything well? I mean, the performances are there. I mean, at least oh, Leslie Odom Jr. shows up to play because he's Leslie Odom Jr. and he knows he's in a bloody Exorcist movie. <laughs> you're, not, you're not Leslie Odom Jr. and squandering that chance. You're in an Exorcist movie. You know what I mean? Like, they show up there. Um, Raphael Sparge as well. Um, sort of a that guy from that thing actor. He's done a lot of things like Star Trek shows and 24s. He's been a guest player on, on loads of TV shows, for instance. Um, seeing him actually get a, a decent-sized feature role, that that was nice. It's nice to see that guy uh, get, get some recognition in there. Um, and I guess David Gordon Green's kind of got the aesthetic down, maybe. But it just feels kind of just a bit too generic versus, again, what a stately masterpiece the original Exorcist is. But did uh, you leave the theatre feeling psychologically thrilled? No, no. I, I left quite numb because I found it intensely dull. I didn't care about the movie, really, at all. I didn't. I sat there, and I think I said this to you off mic briefly earlier. Uh, I, myself, ironically felt possessed that my body had been <laughs> taken over uh, by the soul of someone who simply did not care to be there for this anymore. This was just going on and on and on. And and I feel like in my mind I got up and I wandered the room. I took a dance down the aisles. Um, and, you know, <laughs> It, it was a lot. It really was. Um, <laughs> mostly to say, I just didn't care. I was just sat there watching it. I was just mostly numb to it. I just didn't care. You know, just you know like you're this... watching, you know, you're watching yeah. a rubbish movie when you're sat watching in the cinema and you're looking at the fire escapes. That's what I think. You know, when you're watching something like, you know, like you see those movies like The Exorcism of Emily Rose and things like that. You know, those like throwaway, like they would chuck out like two or three of these a month back yeah. in the late late 2000s kind of horror ones. This felt like one of those at times. Just smashed together with a sort of low rent version of Prisoners. Well, and the if guy you want to see Hamilton, it. You know. <laughs> of course. Yeah, Hamilton, kid. <laughs> If you want to go and see it, you can. It is in cinemas from today. It might get you in the mood for Halloween a little bit if you fancy it. Um, all right. Next and finally, we're going to talk about the burial in just a minute. We'll see what Van thinks. Stay there. Hello and welcome back for one last movie. Uh, we're going to talk about The Burial, which I'm super keen to find out about because I am a Jamie Foxx fan and I am a Tommy Lee Jones fan. So um, this is also in inspired by True Events, I believe, isn't it, Van? This is. And uh, right, I'm, I'm trying to check this out because apparently it's the 1995. Okay, it was. Right, I was just trying to check the year on this. Okay. So, this is set in 1995. It's based on a true story of the time. And it is about a sort of showboating, ambulance-chasing, personal injury lawyer type who's quite successful, has never lost a case. And his name is Willie Gary. And he's played by Jamie Foxx. 
And he gets taken on by uh, Tommy Lee Jones, a funeral home director um, who has a family-owned chain of, of funeral homes who has entered into an agreement with uh, this big corporation who have basically used their might and corrupt practices to, to basically squeeze him out of his business and, and take him to the point of bankruptcy, at which point they can just scoop his entire business up. For, for pennies. And so Jamie Foxx and he unite. Uh, Jamie Foxx becomes the lawyer for him in this court battle against the uh, the evil conglomerate. I think you're a reference uh, known here as the, the Lowen Funeral Group. But uh, their case is only the tip of the iceberg. And uh, once you start chiseling away, what might what might the ensuing courtroom drama find lurking beneath? I've got a clip for you, and this is Jamie Foxx and uh, Tommy Lee Jones bonding during a flight. Are you a fighter? Yeah. No, I'm a fighter. You are too, Jerry. You're a fighter, man. You know why I say you're a fighter? Going up against this big lawn group, man. Small business owner, man. That's something, Doc. That's why we connect. What made you want to do it? Because he tried to mess with the one thing that means the most to me in life. Being able to leave something behind for my children, my grandchildren, when I go. They have a legacy, Willie. And I do mean to pass it on to them. The one thing that's going to get in the way of me watching this movie is yeah. me trying to see past Tommy Lee Jones in Men in Black. Just hearing <laughs> his accent then. I'm going to be seeing Men in Black. But but that aside, I, I really love the sound of this movie because it just mm. sounds... It's it, it, There's justice involved. It's a true story. Yeah. You know, all of the good stuff. I, I was actually, funnily enough, thinking to myself recently, do you know, we haven't had a good courtroom drama in a while. When's that Eastwood one coming out? Because he's got Jura number nine or something coming out like towards the end of the year. Um, which is meant to be his final movie. Like, we need a new, a good new courtroom drama. This definitely scratched that itch for me. This is great as well. This is Jamie Foxx. In a movie that, weirdly, he would have played a different role in, because of another specific role that you know he would have played, had this movie actually opened in 1995 in which it would have been the perfect movie to put out. Like, you've released this at the height of the John Grisham trend and things like that. This would have gone down absolutely gangbusters. This would have been like an old-school old school hit. It has that feel about it. I had a great time with this. And the, the sort of weird bromance between you know Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones, love it. Absolutely love it. Journey Smollett from uh, Birds of Prey, uh, going to kick some ass as this, uh, this tough-as-nails... Uh, uh, corporate female attorney female corporate attorney um who's just all sorts of uh, like like courtroom catwoman in how just ruthless she is um i, I just thought this was oh bill camp got to talk about bill camp bill camp as a sort of villain of the piece as lowen the the the, the, the son currently running the the lowen uh, corporation um wonderfully hateable villain and just absolutely wonderfully played. I did not know the particulars of this story, um, but it's a story I won't soon forget. And I won't tell you what it is that they start to uncover, but oh my God, this this is deranged. Like you won't believe the the, the things that, that come up during this, this legal battle. You're going to love this. It's so good. So the things that they uncover in this that you aren't going to say for spoiler purposes, obviously, yeah. are those also... True stories, things yeah, that have really happened. Well, true story, but for the most part, this, this seems to the story seems to check out. 
Wow. You know, okay. Even wow. They, they, they give you the requisite photos, the end of the real guy that Jamie Foxx is playing, and you still still sit there and think like that guy clearly had a ca- had a say in the casting of who played himself. He's like, get me, get, okay, get me. He's good looking. Get him. You know that, that there's that kind of uh, element going through it quite clearly. But uh, yeah, you know this. I think this is this this is the kind of movie that I, I would show this to my mum. Right. This is one of those movies that I would put on. When if I, if I was like forced to, to, to stay overnight my mum's, for instance, I always wind up picking a movie on Sky Cinema that she's never heard of, has no interest in. And then she sits there and she loves it. And I always make sure that it's quite as middle of the road as it can possibly be for her to enjoy it. So I gave her like 80 for Brady recently, and she really enjoyed 80 for Brady. Um, but if I showed her this, she'd, she'd lose her mind. This, this would be a movie that she would really love because it would go alongside other movies like Fracture, uh, and uh, the Lincoln Lawyer and things like that. Like, like I say, we've just not had a good, you know, a good solid courtroom drama for a while. I was hoping for Roman J Israel for a while, but that just didn't pan out for for Denzel. But yeah, like this uh, this is one I would definitely watch with my mum. Like sit there have a have a takeaway on a Saturday night and watch this one definitely. There's only one. And it's on, worry it's that- on Prime as well, so you can literally watch this at home. You're not going out for it. It's a really yeah. great weekend night in movie. I was going to say the only worry that I have with movies like this being courtroom drama, courtroom dramas is that there's a lot of courtroom action or not action, a lot of courtroom scenes, and sometimes they mm. can get a little bit oh, boring. No. You, you give me that. You give me that. Oh, you hook that into my veins. Oh, oh, I'm a fiend for a good, <laughs> a good bit of gavel bashing. Oh, you. I want an objection. I object. No, you strenuously object. Well, if you strenuously object, I love a good courtroom drama i do i mean this whole damn court is out of order i i love i i, you, I mean honestly you could lose me for weeks on on just a, a boston legal binge like just just wow. sucking in sucking in the the fun of uh, of james spader as alan shaw and his wonderful uh, closing addresses in uh, in boston legal you can lose me for weeks i will go through all five five six seasons like in a row i will it'll happen I think they're on Disney Plus now. I need to check into this. It's going to happen. I'm going to have, it's going to happen now. You set I'm this gonna, in motion. I'm going to sort you a tour out of Judge Rinder's courtroom. Okay, if that pleases you, <laughs> I'll sort it out. Does he for work you. at? He works at Talk, doesn't he now? I think he does now. Actually, yeah, yeah. I think he yeah, does. I think he works at. Uh, I think he works at, uh, at Talk. So it's amazing. Actually, I haven't done anything with him at some point. Um, anyway, so uh, the, the burial is on Amazon Prime. Uh, Prime Video, as it's called now. So they seem to want to phase the out. Prime Video. Oh, but, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> now, enjoy. Stream away. It's fun. It's a good time. Uh, Mom, if you're listening, uh, watch that one on Prime. You, you'll enjoy that. Well, there we go. You can watch it from now, if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> you can, All right. Yeah. Well, um, we're not here next week, because quite frankly, there's not a lot movie-wise to talk about. But in there's two not, weeks... No, no. We are back, um, and we have got a lot to talk about. It Lives we Inside have. is going to be one that you'll see in between now and then, isn't it? Y- yes, It Lives Inside, which is a horror movie that I heard really... Because, re- you know, obviously I'm still on the Chicago press list uh, yeah. from my time in the States. I, I, I get a lot of their invites and things, and, and sort of uh, union notes and things like that for their stuff. And uh, I, I got a, I got a lot a lot of buzz on this thrown my way from the stateside people months ago, and then I sort of forgot about it. And recently, I started getting the the UK press release. I'm like, "Ha, huh, okay, I hear this is really something." So I'm looking forward to that. Most definitely, that's that's out as we say. Uh, I think it's on October the twentieth, the day we return. Um, also, there's another Trolls movie, and you and I were saying this. Who the hell knew there was another Trolls movie coming out? I didn't know there was a new Trolls movie coming out. 
no trolls band done together. Well, yeah. apparently it's got bloody Anna Kendrick and Timberlake in it, so it's like a proper sequel. Yeah, it's weird that it's not been all over the place. You'd normally with these kind of movies, you see the adverts everywhere, don't you? But yeah, like you, mm. I have not seen a thing. Uh, so yeah, let the trolls band together next week. Uh, sorry, in two weeks, and the in Pigeon Tunnel, the most weird title for a movie I've seen in a while. Don't know what that is. Couldn't tell you offhand. Uh, Foe. Oh, I can't tell you what it is. Foe. F O E, not Foe, the Vietnamese street food dish. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Foe. I forget who's in that one now. Uh, we've also got Night of the Hunted, which I'm looking forward to. And uh, I think the big hit of that week, though, is going to be um, Killers of the Flower Moon, which is Scorsese and DiCaprio. And uh, yes. we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see about reviewing that one because there's there's certain industry limitations you know one of those things but uh, again we've got two weeks to sort it we'll work on it we'll see what we can do um, well that's it for off screen for now we will see you in two weeks until then I've been Adam Ball I've been Van Connor and we shall return. <laughs>